0: Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca. Yes, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the awesome privilege we have to draw close to you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, I pray that you would have your way in our lives, that you would minister to each one watching in Morden, that you would bless that amazing church, and that you would also bless and work in our lives, us here also in Winkler. So Father, be glorified, be magnified. We pray for the progression of your God's kingdom, and we pray that you would have your way in us. So I pray that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we are in this series of more, and uh, the focus is that we want to tap in all, in all that God has for us, and I believe God has more. Can you tell your neighbor and say, God has more? Like, Brenton did an awesome um, job last week on talking about faith and also remembering the faithfulness of God, and there's more uh, for, for us when it comes to faith where we are called to believe in God. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was a great message. What I'd like to talk about this morning is more holiness. Can you say that to your neighbor? More holiness. And I believe that God has tremendous, like I said, things in store. And one of the things he wants to do, he wants to bring us to a place where we are committed to him, where we, um, we also depend on him, where he has his way in our lives. And, and if you look at the word holiness, what does it mean? Well, the word holiness means to be set apart And also to be set apart for and set apart from. And um, when it comes to um, the definition of holiness in view of God, it it speaks of absolute purity, integrity, moral character, uh, absence of sin, sanity. He cannot sin or tolerate sin. There's no evil in God. So what we know about God is that he is holy and when God reveals himself for the first time to his people, he reveals himself as holy. He doesn't reveal himself as love or as truth or as um, eternal. He reveals himself as holy. And when he, met, when he encounters Moses, uh, he asks Moses to remove his sandal because it's holy ground. So when we look at this concept or this truth that we find in Scripture in regard of our maker, God... We need to know and we need to understand that He is holy, and and holiness is a, is a, is a huge uh, subject that you find in the Bible. If you look at Leviticus chapter eleven and verse 20, 40, uh, verse forty five, this is where God reveals Himself as holy. He says, "For I, the Lord, I'm I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt and brought and that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy as I'm holy." So so. Holiness, in our view, what we're called to understand of holiness for me and you is that God sets us apart for Him, where we are His people and where we live a life that honors Him, but also sets us apart from what displeases Him. So the call of holiness is for all of us. And what I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to unpack the thought that, and, and and, and the fact that we are called to be holy. And if you have your Bible, take a look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Because sometimes what we think is we, we think that God is holy in the Old Testament. He's a holy God. Like when Isaiah had the revelation of God and, and the cherubims were saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord." Sometimes we have this concept that God is holy in the Old Testament and He is love in the New Testament. But when you look at the Bible, we see a loving God in the Old Testament wanting to walk with his people, wanting to connect with his people, and, and, and loving his people to death, like to the point that all the Old Testament points to Calvary. And sometimes we, we think it's only holy, and then we look at the New Testament, and we think that the only topic that you find is that God loves us, and he loves us, and loves us. It's so true that he loves us, but at the same time, there's also this picture in the, Old, in the New Testament of the holiness of God. And if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16, we see this snapshot of this call where uh, Peter is asking the church to be aware of the time they're living in and also how they're called to live their lives. It says, "Prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control." What he's saying here is that you have a you 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 have a call upon your life, and you don't just do life randomly. You know what's going to happen. There's going to be the return of the Messiah, and Jesus will come back. And and, and he challenges them to live according to, to that. And he says, so prepare your mind for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in this gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is, re- is revealed to the world. Talking about the return of Jesus. And this is where he says, this is where he asks them or he challenged them to live accordingly. And he says in verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Obedient children. Can you say to someone beside you that you want to be obedient? I want to be obedient. So may you live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And look what he says in verse 15. And now you must. Say that to your neighbor. You must. It's not optional. It's not like I don't know if I'm going to do it today. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. Uh, You know, it's it's not optional. You must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you. Is holy, For the scripture says you must be holy because I'm holy. And so we find it very clearly in First Peter that we're called to be a holy people. That we are a holy people. And that we're called to walk in holiness. And how can I be holy? How can, how can I walk or how can I see myself be holy? Well, the answer is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what we see here is we see that God so loved the world. Why did he so love the world? It's because he chose to love us. But why did his son come? It's so that we will not perish. So what happened is that God loves us, but at the same time, he's totally holy. And i like to give this illustration here um, of the holiness of God. This is me. Not in reality either, but let's pretend it's me. And God looks at me. And he says, Claude, I want you with me. And that's his love. And that's what, when he created Adam and Eve, was to walk with us. He wanted to have intimacy. But at the same time, he didn't want want robots. He wanted to have a people that would follow him because they want to. And so I'm here, and you know the story of the fall, where they they ate the fruit, and they walked into disobedience, and there was a wedge between man and God, and, and that wedge is called sin. And so God is holy, but he's also full of love. Love doesn't compete with holiness. He's fully love and fully holy, but he's not more love than holy, right? And sometimes we forget that. And so I'm here and he wants me, and, but there's no way for me to partake in eternity because he cannot deny himself if I have got, I've got sin in my life. Whoa, what a shot, eh? So like, we use that at staff meetings sometimes. You know. um, we have worse than this. We have maybe one time at one point I'll show you the bow that we use to shoot each other. It's pretty, pretty cool. Anyway, that's another topic. So when God looks at me and he can't accept me because of my sin. So this is where the son comes. Jesus comes. And, and he comes and he dies on Calvary. And when I personalize it and accept Christ in my life. What happened is that, it's way, way more clearer than this. Right now it seems like it just covers me. But, but what happened is that God fuses himself with you, and this is where Jesus is unified with you. This is where it says in the Bible that you're seated in the heavenly place right now because if Christ is there, you're there, and wherever you are, Christ is there. Wherever Christ is, you are because you're fused, you're one. And so when the Father looks at me now, he doesn't see me, he sees his Son. Not as a cover, but he looks at me, fully, and I'm totally acceptable in his sight. Pretty amazing, right? The cross is, the, is where the love of God meets the holiness of God. But the cross is not only about love, it also expresses holiness, that God is a holiness, and this needed to happen so I can be acceptable in God's sight. So the call that I have is to walk in holiness. And I'm called to walk as a son or as a daughter knowing I'm loved by God. Would you agree with me? I'm called to know that. I'm called to know that I'm not saved by works, that I'm saved by grace. I'm called to know that when I journey on this planet, I'm beloved, I'm loved by God, and that God called me to be his own to the point that I'm a co-heir with Christ to the promises. It's unreal that my name is written in the book of life, that I can sit at the table with the Lord, that I'm accepted as his son or as a daughter. Unreal, right? But at the same time, God me... God made me a holy priesthood. I'm also a saint. It's pretty cool. Tell, tell your neighbor that you're a saint. <laughs> it's unreal, right? I, I, I'm loved by God so deeply, and I don't want no one to not understand that. Beyond your mistakes, beyond your history, God loves you passionately to the point that he gave his son. But why did he love, why did he send his son so that you would not experience judgment? You know, you, you look at the, the, the anger of the Lord like you find in, in, in Romans chapter one because the Lord gets angry. And the, why, the reason why he gets angry is because of love. When you see someone making a bad decision, sometimes you, you're angry, don't do it. He does that out of love, but also because he's holy, right? So it's important for us to take a hold of that. That God is totally love, but at the same time totally holy. That I'm justified because of him. I'm made holy because of him. Jesus is my holiness, right? Jesus is my holiness. Jesus makes me acceptable to be a son or to be part of the family of God or to be a daughter and to be part of the family of God. And sometimes there seems to be a paradox. Is God holy or is he love? And we see the tangents in in history, even the tangents in my own life. I remember when I became a Christian, there was a lot of fear and a lot of laws, and it was focused on the holiness of God. But then, because there was no love, it brought brought condemnation. It brought guilt. Uh, It it brought lots of fear and, and legalism. And then we live in the society that we are right now in this era, and there's a lot of love, and we forsake the the holiness of God. And so because of that, there's a lot of liberalism, and you do whatever pleases you, and we don't take account of the holiness of God. So really, there's not really a paradox, because the holiness of God and the love of God cohabit. And I think it's for us sometimes that we don't get balanced. We get imbalanced. We go on one side. We focus on on holiness and then we forsake that we're loved by God or we we focus on God's love and how he cares for us and then we live our lives the way we want and, and we don't see and understand the holiness of God. Does that make sense? And so we are in this era right now where we lean very much towards love. And we need, to be caught, we need to be caught by God's love. We need to be rooted in God's love. But we don't want to just live according to God's love and forget that God is holy. I think about John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Wow. If you love me, it's not a feeling thing, it's you obey his commands. Wow, eh? That's pretty deep when you think about that. So loving God is following his ways. Loving God is to follow the book, follow what he has prescribed. And it's not just to live your life according to your your own thoughts, it's saying, Well, I'm loved, that means I can do whatever I want. And we know as parents, love is not like that. But it's kind of, we've done that in the church where we've we brought it to the point where love is brings permission. Or it brings you a freedom to do whatever you want and not remembering or not taking for account that as much as God is loving, He's also holy. So, how do I walk in holiness? That's the thought I wanted to bring this morning. How me and you walk in holiness? The first way is to acknowledge God as holy. One more time say to your neighbor, God is holy. God is holy. He's God is love, but God is holy. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. A text of the New Testament. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Just that phrase is so amazing. The kingdom of God and the kingdom, the kingdom that is in us will not be shaken. Doesn't matter what happened in this world. Here it says, this kingdom will not be shaken. That's the beauty of God's kingdom. It will never be shaken. And the gates of hell won't prevail against its its church, right? doesn't matter what happens. It says here his kingdom will not be shaken. So we can rejoice for this fact. Then he says, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. And acceptable worship is a worship that is based on his prescription how he wants us to worship. Here it says with reverence and awe. You're called to worship God in reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So the picture of God as a consuming fire. When we look in the scripture, I'll come back to the consuming fire in a moment. When we look in the scripture at this truth that God is love, it's one of his attributes. There's two mention in the Bible that God is love. It's found in 1 John chapter 4 in the same chapter. Two times it says that God is love. And there's over 200 times in the Bible where God is called holy. I'm holy. Wow. And sometimes we've changed we change it around in our society today. We think there's 200 mentions of God is love and only two mentions that God is holy. For sure, when we look at Ephesians chapter 3, it talks about how deep, how wide um, His love is for us. So yeah, there's a lot of mention of God's love. But at the same time, there's so many mentions of the holiness of God, and and here it says in the book of Hebrews that He is like a consuming fire. Um, We have a fireplace uh, in our house, and uh, we're burning wood. It was supposed to be more kind of just a casual, like fireplace, just to once in a while have a fireplace. But we love it so much; we're burning wood all the time. We're running out of wood. It's, uh, It's so much fun to have a fireplace. But the reality is, a fire is hot. Right? <laughs> ah, pretty smart, right? You learned something in church today. Fire is hot. And uh, the kids, they bought me uh, a, um, a temperature gun. It's so much fun, temperature gun, eh? You can't take the temperature of everybody and running after the dog. Uh, what's the temperature of the dog? Uh, but the kids, they were around the, the fireplace. They opened the door, and, and then they were taking the temperature of the ambers, and, and the gun could not could not read because it was too hot. and uh, But my fireplace, I enjoy it. It's amazing, but I have a respect for it. It's fire. I, I remember being a teenager, and we were cold in the spring fishing under a bridge, and I remember making a fire, and one of my friends had this great idea of jumping through the fire. And eyebrows were all burnt, and, and his hairs were all not looking very good for Monday going back to school. But there was no respect for the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And how do you treat fire? With respect, with honor. Like fire is amazing when you respect it, right? Fire is, keeps you warm. It's, it's amazing when you respect it. But when you don't respect fire, God is a consuming fire. Jesus is the lamb of God, but he's also the lion of Judah. And he's not just a, 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 a sweet lamb. He is a sweet lamb that went to to, uh, to be killed and, and to be offered. He offered himself. But but at the same time, he's the lion of Judah. How many of you you've watched or you've read the books of Narnia from C. S. Lewis? When Aslam comes. I don't know if you read the story of, uh, of the writings of C.S. Lewis, but there's this picture of the lion that comes. And when, like, when, pe- when the kids are traveling into this, this um, fantasy world, the, the lion appears. And when he appears, he roars. And they're so excited to see him, but at the same time, they're, they're afraid because it's the lion. You know, they, they're like the concept, the thought is like, whoa, the lion is here. There's peace, but whoa, He's here, right? It's kind of a it's kind of a paradox. Like, wow, he's, wow, he's here, but whoa, he's here, right? I I think that we 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 are very good on wow, he's here, but we lost whoa, he's here. The lost of holiness, the lost of respect for the fire, for who God is. And so when we look at God's love, yes, we take in God's love. But there's also this this consuming fire that God is. And and, and God rules in majesty, and, and He's not a desperate boyfriend that runs after us. You see? Oh, like He runs after us, and we say, oh, maybe, maybe not. You know, oh, yes, no. He's a king. And he rules in majesty. And one day when there's gonna be this wedding between the church and him, the focus will all be on him. Like the Western marriages, it's all about the bride, right? In the Eastern, has, it's all about the groom. And the focus will be on him. Everything is about him. We've made everything about us, right? But holiness, it's to realize that, there's, that he's on top. He's the king, and I need to live with that in mind, to walk in God's love, but not forget that he's a king, that he's a roaring lion, that when he roars, things bend in his presence. Every knee bows, every tongue confesses. right? So it's important for us to see that. Look what it says in 2 Samuel 6, verse 6, that gives that display. Story of David Bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. So excited because the Philippian had, that's Philippian, Philistine, sorry, that's Philippians. Philistine had taken it, and and the story short is is they had lost the battle, and now they they had won the battle, and the Ark was coming back. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence, God dwelling among his people. So they're happy and excited to see the Ark coming back. And it says in verse 6, But when they arrive at the at uh, threshing floor of Nakon, the oxen stumble, and Uzzah reached his out his hand to, uh, and, and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of, of God. For the fun of it, I Googled this to see what was on, on Google, and there was so much Comments, uh, why did God do this? God is like the God of the Old Testament is so severe, and, and, and uh, you know, and there was a lot of negative comments. But the problem is, when you look at this story, is that God or the ark, the box of gold that represented God, was placed on a, on a wagon. And it, it's not like your car like, or your truck, you put this box on this wagon. Uh, or this, this the, the, the ark on the wagon is gonna bounce around, right? And, and so, so this guy, Yuri, with uh, Yuz, how do you call him? Um, Yuza, with good intention, tried to reach out and not to see the ark fall. But what was prescribed by God earlier is that the ark should be carried by posts, by men that would absorb the shock, because you know how kings were carried in those times? Not on a wagon but by man because the, the knees of the man would absorb the shock and the king would sit upon, uh, upon the throne or whatever he was sitting on. And, and so the thought God was saying is that I gave you this prescription of how you should carry me because what happened after this, David was a little bit angry at what happened, so we went to see the law, what it said. And the, the law said you should carry God like a king. Should carry the ark like a king, and not to put him on, on a cart, but carry it by man. And, and so the problem in the story—it's not that God was mean—is that people forgot to rem- forgot who God was, and also forgot what He prescribed. You see, so so, Uzzah or had good intention, and and he's, he's going to do, he's going to save it. But it's more than good intention. What we learn from this story is that God prescribed how it was supposed to happen, what they were supposed to do, and they were supposed to treat God with honor and treat him like a king. I think it's the same thing today. We have a tendency of living our lives the way we want and to worship the way we want. Oh, we're going to worship God this way. We're going to do this. We're going to define our own morality. We're going to define our own stuff. And, And it displeases the Lord because he has pre- prescribed us how to live. It's all there. The prescription of how to live is there. And, and, and he wants us to treat him like a king. And so when you live your life according to your own feelings and according to your own conviction and according to your own experience that you define and that we sometimes justify just to say because of circumstances and we walk away from God, God's word is the same thing. It comes with the same thing. It's not whatever I want to do or I'm not called to worship like I said the way I want to. I've got to look at how God prescribed it. And that's the holiness of God. So you look at the holiness of God, and like I said, and I read from 1 Peter, that God for sure is love, but God also invites us to walk like he's holy. And so holiness should be part of our lives. And, and we should see this. So, so when it comes to holiness... How do I walk in holiness acknowledge that God is holy? And He has prescribed a way for us to live. You see, that's it's a huge topic today. It's not a popular topic. For some of you, you might be offended. The way you live your life, are you living according to God's word? Let's say you're walking in unforgiveness. You can have all the reasons in the word to find bitterness. But what does the word say? What does it say about how you're called to live your life? How you're called to do business? What does it say? So, so there's a prescribed way. You might have a lot of tension and a lot of feelings in this, and it, it might be costly, but that's what holiness is. Holiness is found in God, but holiness is also found in how we're called to live a life that honors Him and to walk according to His prescription, what he, how He told us to live. You still with me? Can someone say ouch? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to bring holiness. He wants you to live a life that honors him, that walks according to what he says. Not what people say, not what cultures say, not the last YouTube program that you watched. It's what he says, you know? And why is the church here? It's so that we might walk in grace towards each other so we can support ourselves so we would be walking in a way that honors him. So how do I walk in holiness, secondly? Secondly? When I confess my sins, when I break the silence, when I embrace humility, look at what it says in First John chapter 1, verse eight. "If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. When it's everybody's fault, and not yours, I know there's some situation I could talk about sexual abuse, and there's some total victims. That has nothing to do, they don't have any, they're not part of the equation. That's guaranteed. I'm not disclaiming this. I'm not saying this. But the truth is, if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. When we think it's everybody's fault and and maybe I don't have a part to play, I'm fooling myself. In verse 9, it gives the key. But if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all wickedness. So bring it Bring things to the light, coming before God, admitting your mistakes, and and being real and raw, and say, God, I want to. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live in sin anymore. And you verbalize it. And if you say, Well, I've tried to do that in the past, and it didn't work. I was not able to walk in freedom. Well, connect with people that will walk with you. That's why we are here as a church. It says in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five: Examine yourself and see whatever you are in the faith. Test yourself. See if you're walking in the truth. Like I said, there's grace and mercy and great healing when we admit and confess. Um, One of the things that we're called to do is we're called to do listening prayer. God, what are you saying in my relationship? And then I'm called to obey what he says and also what he shows me and respond to it and to say, God, that's your prescribed way for me? Okay, God, I'm going to do it. Like I read earlier, we're called to be obedient children. And that's linked to old holiness. Like, hey, I'm called to enjoy the blessings of the cross. But I'm, so, I'm also called to carry my cross. And to carry my cross is to bring me to a place of death where I don't live for myself. I don't live for my passions and, and my feelings and my desire, where I'm submitted to Him. That's part of my life. It's not easy. It's not easy what I'm saying. Well, that's the mandate of the church. That's our mandate, to embrace holiness, right? So how do I walk in holiness? First, it's to admit that he's holy. Secondly, it's to live a life of confession and bring things before God. And the third one is to embrace love, embrace God's love. The next verses I'm going to read to you, they, were, they rocked me this week. Because I've never seen the text with these eyes. And I've read this many times, but it really got my attention. I was talking to some of the staffs this week. I was so excited by this verse because I thought they were so powerful. And I'm going to read them to you, all right? And we'll go from there. It says in verse 11, may may God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. You see the heart of the Apostle Paul. I want to be with you guys. I love you guys. In verse 12 it says and may and may the Lord make your love for one another may, sorry and, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. So he prays, God, I want them to I want them to love each other and 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 to love everyone and to the point that it overflows. Just as our love for you overflows. Look what it says in verse 13. This is the verse that really really rocked me. He says May he, as a result, because he is pouring love into me and you, and it has its growing for, for people and for everyone. Look what it says as a result, make your, it will make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. He's saying here that loving others by God's love causes me and you to be holy. Meaning that if I receive this love that God, like it says in Romans chapter 12, that God has poured love, his love in my heart. But when I get encountered by this love and, and I, I see the love of God in me, it causes me to love you the way that God would love you. And because of that, I'm not gonna walk in sin, right? Because if I'm walking in God's love and I'm loving you like he loves you, then I'm not going to sin. So really, when you look at love and holiness, they're combined. But here it says that the key for holiness, it's not to hold back love. And it's not to um, feed bitterness and all the stuff that presents us of loving each other. But he says here in this text that when you love fully, you're walking in holiness. When you choose to love your wife, your kids, the people around, and you love on them by God's love because sometimes you don't have the feeling and you don't have the energy or because whatever happened in the past, you say, God, I want your love to, throw, to flow through me. I, I, I have to love. I need to love. What happens is that God flows through you, God flows through me, and then I walk in holiness because I'm, I'm, I'm filled of his love so my prayer this morning is that we would understand God's love for us. But we would also understand God's holiness, that God cannot be mocked. That I cannot just live my life under God's love and just live whatever I want without honoring His holiness and, and uh, without honoring His royalty. And as we worship Him and acknowledge his royalty, and we live on him, we live, we live a life that loves him and receives his love, I think this is where we're able to grow. I believe sometimes we're not growing because we're not embracing holiness. And I believe one of the, one of the aspects that will cause us to grow is to know God's love and, and to understand and to walk in his holiness. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.